You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. It's good to see you, church. It's good to be here this morning. Amen? Amen. So again, I just want to say that if you're new with us, um, welcome. Can we welcome our first-time visitors who may be with us either in person or online? Um, Welcome. Uh, I I just want to throw this out there, and I said it to to first service, and again, I feel like it's only fair to say it to you that like I'm an interactive kind of pastor. I like, you know, kind of just pretend like you and I are across the table having coffee, and I might get be that obnoxious person who talks too loud. Um, But during the conversation, I I like to have some interaction. So if you would feel free to, you know, give me some feedback. Otherwise, I'm going to clean up, get shy, and leave. And that's on you. So anyways, um, no pressure, but a little bit of a holler back. Hey, if you're new with us, um, let me just kind of describe this series that we're in, talking about God's vision for our lives. If you're new with us, this is a perfect um, time to be joining Crossroads Community Church and seeing what we're all about because like, excuse me if this, you know, um, analogy, this example is kind of, you know, uncomfortable. I feel like it's the most accurate, but um, I feel like if you show up to a church that you're newer to and they're in a series about vision, you kind of get to date date the church the first like month that you're there during that series. We talk about who we are. We reveal our plans and our future and, you know, where we've been, where we're going type of a deal. So this is the perfect series. If you're looking for a home church or considering finding a home church, this is the perfect series to dive into because you're going to discover a lot about us. And in return, we just ask for the opportunity to discover you and who you are. And so throughout this series, again, it's an awesome opportunity to get to know us. If you have been attending Crossroads Community Church for a while, and you say, Pastor, where does that put me and my family? I've been attending here. I'm kind of familiar. Then this is a great series just to remind us who we are. Amen, church? It's a great series to remind us. You see, the church, I heard it once from a quote, and I want to do the the right thing and steal the quote. The church is not a museum for the righteous. It's a hospital for the broken. This series is a reminder that we're all about broken people, that you and I, we're a little messed up. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're messed up. Just being honest. Like, can we all, can we all, if if anybody just said, I'm not, uh, we'll see you next week. This sermon isn't for you. Blessings. But this is a series about reminding us like who we are. And I also heard another quote, which I also want to steal. The church is not a cruise ship, we're a battleship. And how you and I conduct ourselves on a cruise ship is vastly different than when we're on a battleship. Like if you show up to a battleship in flip-flops and board shorts, I don't think you're going to win. (laughs) I I don't think you're preparing to be on the winning side. There's a different way that we posture ourselves when we say we're on a battleship. Make no mistake, the church is not only a hospital for the broken, but we are also a battleship. And this is a series that we're going to be, again, reminding those who have attended here for a while who we are. Because how many of you know it's easy to forget? Amen? So this is a reminder. And if you're new with us, this is a great series to jump in and discover who we are as a church. We just ask that maybe you come out on a Wednesday night or, you know, have some conversations with us after the service so that we can get to know a little bit about you. This series is all about God's vision for our lives. Do you know that God has a plan for your life, church? Has that reality settled in? 
that he has a path that he's called you to walk, that he has a way in which he's calling you to live, and that God has all these incredible plans for your life that he so graciously wants to reveal to you. He has a way in which you should go. And so the question is, is like, where is God leading us? And we're also going to be answering that over this series. But the reality is that like God has a plan for his church. Come on, somebody. And the reality is, is like you and I, this building is just a building. Like it, it, we're not married to the building. We're a part of Jesus. And so the building isn't as important as who fills it. Like you and I are the church. Therefore, God has a plan for us. Jesus was so passionate about this topic of vision for his church that he actually made this incredibly bold statement. He said, you know what? I'm going to build my church. I have a vision for forward with my church and hell's not even going to stop it. That's how passionate Jesus is about vision. Amen? Vision answers four primary questions as we discussed last week. Who are we? Why are we here? Where are we going? And what are we doing to get there? Today and over the next few weeks, we're going to be answering these questions. But again, I want to come back to just defining exactly what we're talking about. What do we mean when we say vision? We mean vision is seeing what God sees. Vision is simply seeing the things that God sees, being aware of what God is aware of and Him making us aware and us falling in line with that. When God sees into the future, the question then becomes, what does He see? God sees past, present, future simultaneously. So when He sees the future, when He's moving us towards the future, what does He see? Have you ever been caught up in wondering, what are God's plans for my life? Anybody? My hand's raised, by the way. Yeah? Like, we've all been there. What am I called to do? And I feel like if you ever find yourself in a season of, like, wondering what is the next thing, the first thing that I want to challenge you towards is get into the Word of God. He has something called a universal plan and a specific plan. And the most beautiful thing is is His Word is filled with a universal plan for all of those who are Christ-following, and He will reveal His specific plan for your life as it is uh, known through His universal will. Did that make sense? Beautiful. But God has a plan for our lives. And we have to ask the question, like, what does he see when he looks into the future? And I believe that a part of what he sees is people. And his plan for your life, I guarantee you, is going to revolve deeply. It's going to be deeply connected to impacting, ministering to, blessing, reaching people. God is passionate about people. Have you read that in his word? Come on, somebody. God is passionate about you. As a matter of fact, in one of the Christian staple Bible verses, one of the Bible verses that if you uh, grew up in, in kids' ministry, you probably remember this scripture, John 3, for God so that he gave his, that whoever believes in him, but have God so loved the world. We're not talking about like trees, pavement, and buildings. Who fills the world? We do. People. God so loved you and I. God is passionate about people. So if you're in a season of wondering, like, what is next for my life? What is the next step? Then I guarantee you that it is going to be deeply connected to impacting people because God did not put you on earth just to suck in air. Come on, somebody. 
He has a purpose and a calling for your life, something that matters not only here on earth, but something that is echoed in eternity. Amen, church? God sees people, God loves people, God pursues people. And he often calls us to come alongside of him in this beautiful pursuit, and we get to have the opportunity to be his hands and feet. So understanding that God's plan is deeply revolved, and please understand, it's not revolved around us. Like, he, he gets us, right? And then he says, okay, go and help me bless others. It's always about reaching other people. Is this making sense this morning? Amen. So what is our response as Crossroads Community Church, also known as C3 Church, what is our response to this understanding that God pursues us, we give him our heart, and then he calls us to pursue others, and among other things, like, what is our response? Well, our response as a church is we created something similar to, well, we created this, not similar to, but this is a little bit about our church, and if you've ever attended a membership meeting here at Crossroads Community Church, you're going to receive one of these, and over the next couple weeks, you'll be seeing them on your seats. It's our mission, our vision, our core values. Who are we? And this is built off of what we just came to understand, that God is passionate about people. So what is our response? Our response is a church mission statement as follows. Crossroads Community Church exists to reach those who don't know Christ and build up those who do know Christ by fulfilling the Great Commission. It's why we're here, people. It's where our time, effort, finances, it's why we have ministry programs, which, by the way, how awesome was yesterday, men? Like, I just want to give a, a, a quick shout out that yesterday, I had people who kept coming up to me, and they're like, Pastor, you put together a great event. It, I had nothing to do with it. It was all Matt Russo and Mike Ledig. So can we show some appreciation? And again, all glory to God because he organized so much. But, you know, uh, Matt and Mike, we just want to say thank you for your obedience. Thank you. And it was incredible yesterday also to see how many talented pastors we have in the church, how many talented preachers we have in the church. And that relieves me because now I don't have to look so hard when I go on vacation. <laughs> glory to God. But in all seriousness, just so many awesome topics that, that related to men, that hit, you know, just right in the, in, the, in the heart of man. Just so incredible. Speakers, thank you so much for not only putting the time in, but your heart and your passion and being obedient to the Lord. So thank you so much for that. But that's why yesterday happened, to minister and reach and grow people. That's why we're here, church. God forbid there ever come a day where we think that we are another sect of the entertainment industry. It's why we're here. So what's our vision? What do we do now with this understanding of our mission? What do we do? It's very simple. You see, a few years ago, myself and some of the church leadership, we were a part of this program evaluating and creating different um, mission statement and core values with our church. And I remember we arrived in our vision statement and we had this beautiful poem. Like We had this long description of like our vision and what we're going to do. And at the end of saying this like paragraph long vision, I remember us sitting there and I can't remember who asked the question, but someone was like, all right, can we repeat that? No. No. It sounded awesome. Could we remember it? So the Lord helped us consolidate all of this into something that is memorable. What is our vision? 
We're going to love God. We're going to love people. And by doing those two things, we're going to change the world. It's that simple. If you love God, you will love people. You'll have to still put up with them. But you'll love them. And the effect of this is inevitable. You're going to change the world. Because people who love God and people who love God's creation, other people, they just have a way of doing that. Amen, church? And it's what we're called to do. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 10? It's where we're going to be spending the majority of our time here together. And again, I just want to challenge you, if you don't um, have the Word of God uh, with you, please see me after the service. We have a hard copy Bible. We would love to give you a Bible. If you do not have one, we will supply that at no cost. You're like, what's the connection here? No, there's no strings attached. We just want you to have the Word of God. But I want to challenge you, get the Word of God in your hands. Amen, church? It's life-changing. It's his direction. It's his vision for our lives. You and I cannot survive without the word of God. Make sure that you have it. In 2023, the question is, is how are we going to live out our mission as a church? To reach the lost and grow the found. How are we going to live out our vision? Love God, love people, change the world. So I feel like we, as a church, we typically, we get pretty good at loving God, right? Like we saw that today. Like there's a lot of worship going on, a lot of dedication under the Lord. Last week we talked about consecration, dedicating ourselves to his purpose. And this week we're talking about his purpose. And, but how do we love people in 2023 in America, a country that is united? Seems more like a country that's divided. How do we love others? How do we show Christ-like love? And I feel like we cannot talk about loving other people without discussing this infamous story in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, of the Good Samaritan. If you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this story a hundred times, thousands of times, maybe. And one of the things that I love about the Word of God is that no matter how many times you hear a story, He has a way of refreshing it, doesn't He? He has a way of saying, like, I know you've heard this how many times, but here's something new. And I love that when it comes to his parables, they're so beautiful and almost complex, but you can understand them, and he allows us to dig in. And I believe that that's going to happen here today, that the Lord is going to reveal something in our hearts and our lives that we've maybe never seen before in this parable. Here's the story. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to Jesus, said, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who, though, is my neighbor? Hit the pause button for a moment. I love the way Jesus responds. Jesus responds with a memorable story, in this case, a parable. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm given straightforward forward yes or no answers, I forget. Can, we, can, you, can you admit this with me? Make me feel better. Come on. Like, I forget. Like, if it's a yes or no answer, I'll be like, did they say they would or they would not? 
But then you have Jesus who understands us. He knows what's going to minister to us. He knows what we're going to remember. Remember, And I can only imagine that like the, the uh, lawyer, the individual who studied God's law and wants everything done by the law, like I can only imagine the look on his face because as we read, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Like think about the look on his face. Like Jesus, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus in turn says, once upon a time. Like, what? What are you doing? But Jesus knows how to teach us. Jesus knows his children, and he knows what's going to stick. And so he tells a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But then a Samaritan came along. And as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring out on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Which of these three do you think the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So let's break down some of the facts, because to some, there may be some details within this story that you say, you know, I, I, I don't exactly understand the significance. And our goal in this for a few moments is to point out some of the significant points in this parable. First off, the man's question, who is my neighbor, is not from a place of pure intention. It's from a place of trying to trip up Jesus. This happened time after time after time when there were experts of the law, God's law. When there were experts and they would come along, they would ask Jesus a question for the purpose of entrapment. They were trying to get him to say something against the law or against them, therefore just kind of becoming a hypocrite in their eyes. But Jesus, he got them every time, and it's beautiful. And so let's first acknowledge that this question was not from a place of good intention. He was trying to get Jesus to crumble. Then in the story, there's three categories of people who passed by. The first two categories are the priest and the Levite. Why would the priest and the Levite, what's significant about them and why would they pass by? First off, the priest and the Levite were set apart for ceremonial duties. They were looked at as extra holy people. Have you ever met somebody like that? Don't turn to your neighbor. They were looked at as extra holy The special duty of the priest was to offer a sacrifice in the temple of God. This is a sacred job. The irony, of course, in this moment, church, hear me this morning. 
is that the priest didn't offer himself as a sacrifice. When you and I lay our lives down in the sanctuary on a Sunday, but we don't lay our lives down in the world on Monday, we run the risk of being the priest. When we lay our lives down here in church, when this becomes all of our expression of Jesus, all of our love for Jesus is confined to these walls, we run the risk of becoming the priest. Where our sacrifice remains in the sanctuary, but it's never taken to the place where we're called to take it, and that's into the world. And the duty of the Levite was to assist the priest in their service. He was also looked at as a holy individual. We can assume that because the man was laying, bleeding, and um, often ceremonial uncleanliness was related to those who had blood, that the priest and the Levite did not want to lose their status. Because if they would have helped the man, then they would have been ceremonial unclean and they would have lost their status of holiness. So rather than having God's heart in that moment, they just pass on by. And I heard a quote one time from an individual named Pastor Choco de Jesus. He's in our leadership within the Assemblies of God, our denomination. And he says this, the two men that represented God to the people of God failed to have the heart of God. The two men who represented God to the people of God, failed to have the heart of God. And another pivotal point to point out in this story of the Good Samaritan is the beef, the issue that Samaritans had with Jews. Samaritans and Jews were enemies of one another. To a Jew, a Samaritan doing something good was just unfathomable. Samaritans were especially hated by Jewish people. There's an extensive history of them going back and forth towards one another that we really don't have time to get into today. It was known that Jewish people would take a longer traveling route to avoid Samaritans. If there were Samaritans gathered, it didn't matter if they were in a town occupying it briefly, the Jewish individuals would take a longer route so that they didn't have to encounter Samaritans. Samaritans were especially viewed in the Jewish eyes as worthless, law-breaking people that were of a low class because they intermarried with Jewish women, but in the eyes of the Jewish people, they did not keep the law. And yet in this story, we have somebody who is an expert in the law, so we can assume that he's Jewish. And he's told that his enemy is exemplifying God's heart. And we can only imagine how earth-shattering that moment was. Jesus shocks the Jewish lawyer by using a Samaritan as as an example of doing the right thing. For the next four hours, I would like to share with you Everybody who's whoop whooping right now, like, you're, you're going to get beat up in the parking lot. <laughs> like, you're going to get jumped. <laughs> how do we move forward in 2023? I want to discuss with you how you and I can apply this scripture, this word, God's word, to our hearts on how you and I can love people in 2023. You know what I've noticed about loving people? Lord, is it sounds really good. 
doesn't it? Yeah, we're going to love people. And then you start loving people. And then you're like, oh, a lot, of, a lot of issues here. And then sometimes we get led into a place in life where we're like, wow, I have issues too. And like loving people becomes something that like you look at on the mantelpiece and you're like, that'd be nice. So anyways, <laughs> loving people, can we all admit by show of hands, if, this, if you connect with this, that loving people can be difficult. It can be challenging, but it's what we're called to do. And it's what this story is all about, is loving others. So how do we accomplish these goals? And I would like to, or these biblical principles, and I would like to go over these biblical principles that answer the question, how can I love others? How can I make an impact on others' lives? Ensuring that my life, my time here on earth matters. What does that look like? And I also want to say right before we get into these points that you'll see that every point has a scripture verse attached to it. And I just want to say that because like you, we've got to understand here in 2023 that like a TED talk isn't going to save anybody. Come on, somebody. An elegant speech isn't going to save anybody. What's going to save people is the word of God. And that's why yesterday was so beautiful. Because it wasn't a men's conference. It's like, do good. God bless. It's a men's conference full of God's word. So if you're taking notes here today, I want to challenge you. Write those scriptural references down because that's where our points come from. Amen, church? Amen. How do we love people better in 2023? My first of 32 points this morning. For those of you who are new with us, you're like, is he serious? You'll find out. How do we love others? Number one, get rid of the Pharisees' grading scale. Get rid of the Pharisees' grading scale. This expert of the law, we can assume that he's a part of the Pharisees, or at least he's connected with them. He's an expert of the law, Pharisee. And he has this grading scale. Who's my neighbor? Who's worthy of my love? And in 2023, I believe that we can relate to a grading scale now more than ever. Because for those of you who are here this morning and you're like, Pastor, certainly not. We're not still grading people. We divide people by what jersey they have on. Come on, somebody. Like, I know this to be true because I'm originally from Pittsburgh, and when I wear a Pittsburgh Penguins jersey on this side of the state, people speak in other tongues towards me. <laughs> and they also all of a sudden know sign language. <laughs> we divide based on sports teams. We divide based on and grade other people's worth based on who they cheer for when they hit a hockey puck. We divide and put people's worth on a grading scale depending on their profession. I hear it all the time because I grew up in a blue-collar context. I've heard so many jokes that make jabs at one another, blue-collar versus white-collar. 
We make fun of each other depending on and grade each other on our profession, on our sports teams, and that's without even getting into some of the more serious topics. How do we love others better in 2023? Get rid of the grading scale. Amen, church? How do we get rid of the grading scale? Consider everyone else more important than you. Consider everyone else more important than you. Well, pastor, that means I have to agree with them. No, it doesn't. That's a lie that started back in 2020. You don't have to agree with them. But you got to love them. And you have to value them. You know what I've noticed about people that I value? I give them time. When I sit with my father, and when we have these conversations, I value his opinion. I value him. So therefore, I value his opinion and the words that he speaks, and I make time to hear him. I value my wife, and I value her perspective and her creativity. So I make, thank you for that. She, she appreciates that. And I value her, so I make time to hear her. When we value people, we make time. So that can be a reflection on how we're doing. If you want to get rid of the Pharisees grading scale, consider everyone else more important than you. It's what Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 through 4 says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also in the interests of others. Consider others more significant than yourself. This will lead you in humility, and humility is the one thing that most people imagine attaining, but aren't willing to get low enough to attain. When we value others more than ourselves, we'll give them time. So how many people have we given time? Let's get rid of the grading scale. Amen, church? I said amen, church? Amen. When we value others more than ourselves, it means that we give Christ-like love freely. How do we love others better in 2023? Give Christ-like love freely. The man in need didn't need to prove that he was worth loving and taking care for. Have you noticed that? The Samaritan came along. There's a man in need. I'm going to seek to meet his needs. There wasn't this moment where you had to earn my love. You have to prove yourself worthy. You have to jump through these hoops. Then once I let you into my inner circle, then I will extend some sort of grace, mercy, and love and kindness. That never happened in the parable. Jesus gives us a description of a man, a Samaritan, who's walking along. He sees a need, and therefore, because you're one of God, God's people, God's creations, you inherently are able to receive my love. You don't have to earn it. How do we love others better in 2023 as a church, as Christians? Love them freely. Amen, church? The good Samaritan saw a need and he acted and he gives his love freely 
and openly. And in loving people, and this is going to lead us into our next point, can we be real this morning? Can we be real this morning? Opening ourselves up to love others can hurt. Right? Anybody who's shaking their head, no, no, not me. You're either lying or you haven't been around long enough to experience it. Loving others can hurt. And my point in saying that is loving others requires us to take risk. How do we love others better in 2023? Take risk. Loving others requires risk. Think about it for a moment. The good Samaritan is painted, he's stopping on this dangerous road. That's risky. And I don't know about you, but like when I am in a city, I feel much better in my car. I grew up where there's cornfields and woods. Being in, <laughs> being in a city, and I consider Allentown a city, by the way. Some of you are like, have you ever been to New York? Yeah, I didn't like it. That's why I'm pastoring in Fogelsville. <laughs> I don't like cities. I feel vulnerable. I feel like I'm on the dangerous road. And the robbers are coming to get me. <laughs> I feel safer in my metal cage of a car. I can only imagine that the Samaritan in this parable, that there's an understanding that the safer way to travel is on your donkey. And he chooses... In this story that Jesus paints, I believe that he is so intentional trying to say, this man is taking risk. I believe that there is a common sense factor here. It's better to be on the donkey. And yet this man is seen giving his donkey to the one in need. Church, loving people requires risk. Going on missions trips to places that you've never been, and sometimes relying on an interpreter to communicate to others takes risk. Taking someone to get food that you've never met before takes risk. Going on an inner city outreach to help those who may not have a home or mentally unstable or maybe you run into an individual on the streets, even here in Fogelsville, who's addicted Taking care of them, meeting that need, requires, takes risk. Going to a shelter, an unfamiliar place, being around people that you don't know, you've never met before, extending your heart, extending generosity, serving food, serving others, requires risk. And it's what we're called to offer. Our love with a risk factor. Some are here today, and you may be saying, well, pastor, so throw all caution to the wind. No, I'm not saying that. We can serve others. I'm not saying be foolish. 
But what I am saying is there's no such thing as risk-free servanthood. Scripturally, I don't find it. When we serve others, when we love others, when we do exactly what Jesus is painting this beautiful parable, he's painting this beautiful parable and he's calling us to take part in it. What he is painting is a vivid picture of taking risk for the sake of others. And with that same line of thinking, that point of taking risk also flows into this. How do we love others better in 2023? Pay the cost. What do we learn from the Good Samaritan? We learn to pay the cost. Well, pastor, are you saying that I need to give my money to to him? Yes, you do need to give his money to him. Well, pastor, are you saying that I have to give my time and attention? Yeah, you have to pay that too. Well, pastor, are you saying that I have to pay the cost of being inconvenient? Yes. His word tells us to. The Samaritan paid with time. He had financial sacrifice. He paid with his resources. But also don't forget that he paid in love, which seems to be the currency of heaven. I want to say that again. The good Samaritan paid in love, which appears to be the currency of heaven. For God so loved the world that he he gave, he paid. Serving Jesus and loving others, it will cost you. Did you know that? Maybe not. Did you know that, church? That serving Jesus is going to cost you? Anybody who says something different, you know, we often talk like a a car salesman. If you're a car salesman here this morning, I'm not trying to be offensive. But we often sound like a salesman, like, here's all the benefits. Follow Jesus. Be blessed. It'll cost you. But the return on investment is incredible. I'll never forget when I sat in my youth ministry class at, at seminary. You see, I... I was in a youth pastor for a little bit, you know, around like a a six-year mark. And I remember that I went to school, and that was my focus. That was my major focus was youth ministry. And I remember this incredible professor who just, you 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 ever have those those spiritual fathers and mothers in your life who just invest so much in you that they're just precious to you? Anybody else have that? If you don't have it, like, please, you'll find them here, and you'll, you'll be blessed. I'm telling you. It's just somebody who's invested in your life. They've made a spiritual deposit. And this professor, Professor Phil Baker, just blessed my life immensely. And I remember, though, I, we were doing fill-in-the-blank note sheets, which is going to be coming to a church near you in 2023. On Sunday mornings, we would love to help in any way, and it's been requested. Pastor, can you provide an outline? It helps me with my... Yes, absolutely. So we're going to get on that. But I was filling out these fill-in-the-blank note sheets, and I'll never forget this one. It sticks in my mind so vividly. I'm going through, and the -the fill-in-the-blank said, put your heart on a... And the -the fill-in-the-blank was a spit, like a roasting spit. And I remember, like, just going, what does this even mean? And the professor went on to warn us 
He said, your heart is going to fill the pain in ministry. And really what that translates to is as Christians, your heart is going to feel the pain. The pain of what, pastor? For me, it was the pain of getting that phone call when a teenager relapsed. For me, it was the pain of taking a student home one night after youth ministry and asking where I was dropping them off at, and they said, it depends on who my mom is with tonight. For me, it was getting those hellish phone calls where I had to go to the hospital and stand next to a teenager who attempted to take their own life by overdosing. For me, it was the pain of hearing homes, Christian couples that were loving Jesus and their marriage was split and broken and that they were separating. And I held their teenagers in my arms as they wept. And as Christians, we're going to go through that heartbreak. We're going to go through that heartbreak of individuals who we wanted to see them make it. And then you get that dreaded phone call. We're going to go through the heartbreak. And we'll come to understand what it means to follow Christ. We're going to go through the heartbreak of some rejecting us because we follow Him. Some of us have already felt that pressure in the past couple of years. And I say pressure intentionally because in other countries, they feel the pain of it. I believe America isn't, isn't sensing persecution, just pressure. But church, I want to encourage you this morning. I know some of you are like, Pastor, you're doing a real bang up job of that. <laughs> Although your heart will get broken, and I remember the professor blessing me with this. Don't ever forget that although your heart will break, he will mend it, and you will see the return on investment. What I mean by that is, don't forget that you will see a glimpse of the eternal investment in loving other people, paying the cost, sacrificial love. You will see a glimpse of the eternal investment through their testimony. Amen, church? Because there will be those who make it. There will be those that sacrificial love ministered to them and led them to Christ. And you experience that moment of, I did not earn this, but God so graciously let me be a part of it. I think of the testimonies that are represented here on Sunday mornings. One individual, we were talking to him last night and said, you know, when you first came to this church, you looked so closed off to the church. You were very standoffish. He was very like, don't touch me, don't talk to me. And now he's coming in here on Sunday mornings and he's smiling and he's crying and that's still a little weird for me. And he's just sensing the Lord and he's talking to people and he's giving glory to God and saying how God has restored him. Church, when you hear testimonies like that, come on somebody. It's worth the cost. When you hear testimonies of the marriages that are brought back together and you see the mom and the dad and the children thriving, when you hear the testimonies of the addict set free and on recovery and then God pours on grace and even more grace and they become maybe pastors or ministers or they're simply serving at their church, when you see the testimonies of that hellish nightmare of anxiety and depression being broken, you 
cannot help but come to the conclusion that it is not only worth the cost, but God blesses us by inviting us into the process. Worship team, y'all better come or we're going to be here for a while. And when we hear those testimonies, it's but a glimpse of the eternal investment that God allowed us to deposit. What is heaven going to be like? Can you imagine, church? What is that day going to be like when you get to thank the people that God used to lead you to him? What is that day going to be like when you see others who are standing in eternity because God so graciously uses faulty, messed up, broken people like us for an eternal impact? How do we love others better in 2023? This is my closing point. It wasn't 32 points. Oh, I know. Offer your best in loving others. In 2023, how do I love others better? How do I show love and kindness? Offer your very best. Sometimes we fall into the misbelief that God is only concerned about our obedience and therefore he doesn't care about the quality of what we offer, the quality of our heart, or the quality of our attitude. But I believe any parent in here who has ever raised kids, that you know the quality of a child's response when you ask them to do something, oh, it matters take out the trash. Ugh! You better repent. You're going to see Jesus. Let's try this again. It's, that's what we call in our household come to Jesus moments. You'll learn in those times. If you, even if you don't have kids, it's a principle that you understand. Like, I want kids who say, okay, and then offer their best so you don't find the trash next to the trash can. A little brat put the trash on my roof. <laughs> there are so many times when Christians, we serve the Lord with poor attitudes and poor quality. We expect Him to be pleased. Offer your best. The good Samaritan offered his very best. Jesus in this parable paints the good Samaritan as doing his very best in all areas. For example, he pours out oil. In biblical times, oil was used to soothe wounds. Then he pours out wine. Wine in biblical times was used as a disinfectant. So he's not only helped soothe the man's wounds and bandage them up, but he's also helped disinfect them. Then he gives the man his donkey. And we already talked about the risk and the cost that comes along with that. Then he shows up to the inn, takes care of the guy. 
then goes above and beyond that and says, whatever extra cost this guy has, they're on me. Do you know that like this picture that we received, it could have been painted poorly. It could have been like the good Samaritan threw him on the donkey or tied him to it and drug him just saying, well, Lord, it was easier. Anyways, he could have just left him at the inn and said, whenever he comes to, hopefully he has some money on him. Like Jesus could have painted a picture of good enough, but Jesus painted us a picture of excellent. Why? Because Jesus is excellent in all that he does. Jesus is excellent. As a matter of fact, excellence is so incredible that it's a part of our core values, which we're going to be going over in the upcoming weeks. One of our core values is that we display excellence. Why? Because everything that Jesus ever does for us is excellent. Amen, church? So after all this, there's still a question in this teaching that we've got to answer. And it was the same question that the expert of the law asked. Who is our neighbor? We've talked about loving other people. We've talked about the standard. We've talked about who is our neighbor. And it's the same answer that Jesus answers with. Anyone and everyone in need. Anyone and everyone in need. The world around us is our neighbor. As a response to this message, as a response to this understanding that we're called to love others with excellence and serve others, and a part of our, our church vision, as a part of our church vision, we are so excited to welcome um, Rebecca Easel on our volunteer ministry team as she heads up a need meeting ministry for us. So what that looks like is right out of the gate, Rebecca Easel is going to be heading up uh, ministry teams to Hope Rescue. Are you all familiar with Hope Rescue? Yeah? If not, look them up. It's great. Where we start as a church is simply feeding those who need a meal. That's where we start. That's not where the vision ends. The vision ends with like, I love the one church out near Harrisburg that has an 80,000 square foot uh, warehouse that they continually fill up with product and medical, whatever it may be, and then they send it out and people are ministered to, people receive clothing, food, whatever. As a matter of fact, if you're familiar with the missions initiative, Convoy of Hope, Convoy of Hope contacts this church and says, can we do a tractor trailer load of food? And they get, they get it out and into homes and wherever it needs to go. I mean, within days. That's where we want to end up as a church. Amen, church? We want to be a need-meeting, serving ministry. It's the missing link in our church. Go ahead, give God glory. I didn't mean to interrupt, my bad. The missing link in our church is like we do a lot of stuff in-house, and it's incredible. We do a lot of outreach ministry, which is like in-house outreach ministry. That's going to continue. We're not stopping that. We're adding to it. We're actually going to go out, and it simply starts with feeding those who need a meal. 
Rebecca at this meeting with me and my wife, we were sitting across the table and she says like, what do you want me to do in 2023 though? And I said, I was like, Rebecca, I'm kind of afraid to put parameters around that. I've been at this church now for a little bit over three years and something that I've learned is what's happening here is not normal. Like, I had a few timelines in my mind about like when we would be at two services and it wouldn't be happening for another three years. Here we are. God just keeps pouring it out. And so I don't want to put any parameters around the Lord. And we simply agreed. I said, Rebecca, like she's a pit bull, by the way. Like Rebecca goes after things. Like the easels. If you know the easels, Nick and Rebecca easel, and I can brag on them more in this service because they're not here and it's the righteous thing to do. You give them a responsibility and they're like, ah, they just attack it. And so I'm like, Rebecca, let's just start with feeding those who need fed. And however fast the Lord moves us along to the other things, we'll just entrust him with that. If God opens up the door, for us to do more and more. And I believe, I'm believing that he is, by the way. That's why we didn't put parameters around it. But we're, we so appreciate Rebecca's heart in stepping up and saying, you know what? I wanna be a part of that. We'll get some groups down to Hope Rescue. We'll get, we'll, we'll get serving. That's where the vision starts. So my question to you this morning, church, is who can you serve and who can you care for right now? Where are you plugged into? Are you plugged into a ministry? We have so many opportunities to serve in and through the church right now available. All you have to do is on your way out, fill out one of the cards in the lobby. And please hear my heart this morning. If you're here and you're like, oh, there it is. There's the sales pitch. He's just trying to get, like, no. Like, if that's if that's our mindset, then we've completely missed it. The point is, is that God's calling us to serve. It is imperative to our spiritual growth. It is imperative and vital to our relationship with Jesus to be his hands and feet. We we're never called to just be spectators in the body of Christ. Come on, somebody. We were called to get into this. That's what it's about. And before I ask this question, would you stand with me first? The question that I want to close with, who are you in the story of the Good Samaritan? Who are you in the story of the Good Samaritan, right here, right now. Are you the Good Samaritan? Are you the Levite, the priest? And before we give our answer, because how many of you know, like, I always want to be like, I'm the Samaritan, I'm the Samaritan. And I feel like the Lord's like, calm down, Donnie. Because here's what we have to first realize. I am first the person along the road. And Jesus is the good Samaritan. And he came along and he saw me laying there. And he picked me up. And he paid for me in his blood. I am first and foremost the person laying in the road in need of a savior. And once you and I realize that, that we are first the person broken and in need, and we allow Jesus to do what only he can do, only from that realization do we have a chance at becoming the Samaritan. Amen, church?
So who are you in this story? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've been the priest, I've been walking by, can I just say as a pastor, me too? Like I get, I've been there. I don't have time for this. I don't want to be inconvenienced. And I need reminded like there is nothing more precious than showing the heart of God to others. Amen, church? So if you say, Pastor, I'm in that boat, like I've been ignoring people, I haven't been loving people, can I tell you that's a beautiful place to be and don't let the devil condemn you to death right now. His mercy is more than enough. And all it takes is one prayer in obedience forward to change that around. Amen, church? Would you bow your heads with me? And as much as I wanted to close out the service today by having us all gather around up front and heading out, I just feel like the Lord said, all right, go do it. You've heard, go do. So would you do this with me in your own words, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you begin to say yes to the Lord right here, right now? Whatever it is, what, who, I believe that right now the Holy Spirit has the power that he's probably bringing people to your mind. And maybe it's people that you know there's a risk, but God's saying pay the cost. And he enables us to. But the question is, is who in your life right now is the Lord putting on your heart that he wants to use you as a good Samaritan to now that we've realized who we first were in the story? And right here, right now, in your own words, would you just begin to say yes? It's how we get out of the priest kind of feeling and condemnation is we simply realize our fault and then we say, all right, God, from this moment forward, I'm going to say yes. So just for another 10 seconds, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just begin to say yes to the Lord? God, whatever opportunities are on the horizon, we say yes right here, right now. God, if it costs us our own resources, we say yes. God, if it costs our finances, we recognize that those finances are first yours, we say yes. If it costs us our time and effort and maybe even patience, we say yes. So dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would use us. Equip us, God, for the task that is at hand and just ahead of us. May we be your hands and feet. And I just pray that 2023 would be the year of the Samaritan church that says, yes, I will. I see that need. Help us, Lord, to never become so consumed that we are no longer able to see the needs that surround us every day, that we pass by on our road every day. But God, I pray that out of a heart of obedience, we would therefore say, it's one of your children. Therefore, we say yes. And Lord, help us to continue to become a church that meets needs, loving you, loving people, and changing the world. Now, Lord, lead us and guide us. Would you give us your words? And we entrust the fruit and the opportunities into your hands. In Jesus' precious and holy name, and everybody said, and if you believe God's going to do it, would you give him one more shout of praise this morning, church? God bless you as you go with the Lord. He's going with you. Let's go and do it. Amen, church? Let's go and do it. God bless you. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. 
We'd love to hear from you. 